Welcome to the Healing Herb Podcast. This is your grief expert and friend, Ashley Lemieux. I'm sitting in my car right now with someone who I have followed on Instagram for so long and we've actually been chatting for, wow, the past 20 minutes and I was like, we should just turn on our mics right now to record this because the conversation is so great and I think a lot of women will relate to it. But with me right now, I have Mary from Mary's Cup of Tea and she is a best-selling author of the book, The Gift of Self-Love. She's a podcaster. She hosts retreats. She is like this. Really shy. This Are you really shy? I get a little shy. Do you? Yeah. I, okay. I would not have guessed that. I'm definitely extroverted. I'm not shy like in public. I get shy when people know about Mary's Cup of Tea for some reason. Oh, like interesting. Today, I was at the library and somebody was like, you look so familiar. And I'm like, I think you have me mixed up. <laughs> You're like, it's, it's not me. It's not me. Well, anyways, we have with us in the flesh, Mary's cup of tea. <laughs> I'm so excited to have you. I have followed you. I honestly don't even know how many years. It's been at least six years. It has to have been at, at least. least. Yeah. Like I've a been very... following you since your origin story. That's so yeah. wild. Since I've been following you, you've gotten married you've launched new products like your book your podcast I don't know it's just been so fun for me to see you grow and what's also crazy is that you live here in Arizona but we haven't met each other until this moment I know I honestly feel like I'm just catching up with it good friends so I'm glad I'm not the only one because I met you and I was like I feel like I know you but then I have to like do the pleasantries but really I'm like you're basically a soul sister at this point right like we just hung out last night it feels like honestly so I'm just so excited for you guys to meet Mary if you don't already know her and today we want to talk about the type of grief that comes when you grieve dreams that are unrealized or when you grieve like a past that was different than what you thought it was going to be. And I love that Mary wanted to talk about this because I feel like so many of us are struggling with this right now, specifically because just three years ago, even though we are so freaking sick of talking about it, the truth is that all of us were in a worldwide pandemic. And who we are right now is very different than who we were even just three years ago. And the changes that that brings can bring also a lot of grief because you are trying to reintegrate yourself into a new life as a different person with new dreams, new hopes, new goals. But so many of us don't have the language surrounding that and we don't know that that's why we're actually having a hard time. So I would love to hear from you. Is there a time in your life or things that have happened in the past that you find yourself grieving now, like that you thought maybe would be different? I would just love to hear that side of things from you. Well, I want to start by saying that the life I'm living now is like in some ways my dream life. Like I'm so grateful Every morning I wake up and I'm like, wow, I'm alive. And I look around at my house and I'm like, I can't believe I get to call this home. And then my new husband, who I'm like obsessed with, and my dog. And like even just this morning, I was looking at 
my dog, we were eating breakfast outside on our picnic table because there's only like two weeks out of the year you can do that in Arizona. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> the only two. really hot or like really, really cold, <laughs> honestly. And um, I'm looking at my dog and like he's a rescue pit bull and they don't have a long lifespan. And we rescued him when he was five. So my brain is doing some mental math that he's probably about, about 11 now. And even just looking at him and loving him so hard and then the follow-up fear thought being like, and I might not have as much time as I want with mm-hmm. my sweet pet, you know? And the same thing with like my husband, like that fear that comes with like loving someone so hard or like being so grateful and then like afraid to lose it. It's something that's been keeping me up at night and I'm kind of nervous to talk about it because I'm like, what a you know, privileged take, like somebody who has the luxury of so many uh, good things in life and being so afraid to lose them. But I can't be the only one. You are definitely not the only one at all. Like that's a very normal thing to feel. And it's so interesting that you just said that. This is not something that I have talked about, but I literally just last week and will go again in two days. Right now, my focus in therapy with my own therapist is this exact thing that you are talking about. It's the anxiety of losing something or someone that you really love. And from my perspective, in the past, I have lost those people who I really love or things that I have really wanted. And so a lot of times when you have gone through the worst of something or even just stemming from little triggers that we have when you're a child and something was taken away that was very unexpected. Sometimes our brains try to prepare us for if something comes bad again and we live in this very hypervigilant state of, am I okay? What is like my current threat level? Is things going to be okay? And it can create this anxiety. It can create this fear. And for a lot of people, when things are going really well on the outside is actually when our alarm bells start sounding off on the inside because we're like, wait, yeah. I feel good. Does that mean that the other shoe is going to drop? To drop? But it is a state of hypervigilance um, due to past anxieties yeah. that have come. And so I just wanted to tell you that to validate mm-hmm. how you're feeling because it is, it's a very real feeling. And I appreciate you yeah. saying that because I think it's really hard to also talk about. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's normal, but I'm sure it's amplified for people that have been in survival mode for so long and suddenly find themselves not being there, but then their brains kind of like neurobiologically still being there because that's kind of a comfort zone. Yes. has been a comfort zone for so long. So there is such thing as like creating anxiety and making problems to deal with because our brains like to solve problems. And I think there's like this other aspect of it that every time we say yes to something, whether that's a path, a job, a person, we're also saying no to the billions of other trajectories that could have happened, you know, that like life unlived. And so sometimes I look back and, and just horror and awe and like all these things are just coexisting and I get so overwhelmed with like the heaviness of being human Mm -hmm. and then also like the beauty of being human right yes I feel like 
that is part of this human experience of there can be so much pain and anxiety and unknown and mm -hmm. joy and love and hope and something that I've learned to really navigate through and live with, especially over the past few years, is this special word that we all use every day, but really can have this magnificent magnitude in our life. And it's the word of and, mm -hmm. of being able to say, I am anxious and, right? Yeah. And I'm full of joy and I'm grateful and whatever that thing is. But I also think we live in a society where we're kind of told we're not supposed to feel those feelings. So you're either, either you're grateful or you're ungrateful because you're anxious and you're dwelling on hard things. And it's like, no, I'm, I'm both. And, and I can be both. You mentioned something that I, I want to ask you about, you know, sometimes when we've lived in survival mode for so long, we get to this place where it's like this pattern of staying there almost feels safer because which is true because then we know what to expect. Yeah. We know what anxiety feels like. Mm -hmm. We know what stress feels like. We know what grief feels like. And so sometimes, even though we don't feel good in it, we know what to expect. And mm -hmm. so making other decisions to get out of that can actually make us feel really stuck. But have you ever gone through a season of living in survival mode? Or have you had any personal experience with that? Um, many seasons, like definitely growing up, you know, we, my family are Jewish refugees from the former Soviet Union, which was not friendly to all people, but especially Jews. So, you know, coming to San Francisco, being on welfare, like there's definitely childhood stuff. And then, you know, the good old, my parents got divorced and the 18 year lawsuit that ensued. I felt like my entire childhood was just like very chaotic, but also incredibly culturally complex, meaning that I remember like laying in bed as a kid and wishing that like my dad was incredibly physically abusive because that would have been easier to explain mm. than the emotional abuse, mm. than the like verbal and psychological and like just everything that was going on that I could never explain to a friend, like especially American friends, English speaking friends. Now I'm older and wiser and I'm like, no, there are people who understand, like even if they don't speak Russian, like they can understand feelings. But at the time, you know, it's like, how do I describe this double life that I'm living as like a first generation American, like daughter of immigrants and refugees and then like divorced parents and then living up and like or growing up in uh, North Phoenix in a way, which is also like a very privileged place in certain mm -hmm. pockets. You know, the Scottsdale, Arizona that so many people think of was also a part of my reality. So I think to say that my childhood was like chaotic, sometimes I feel like it's an overstatement because I'm like feeling guilty about, you know, was it as bad? But then other times when I'm like in therapy or talking to a friend, then I'm like, that's an understatement. Like there was a lot of crazy stuff and so to escape like I always struggled with disordered eating with body image that was kind of my that was my only coping mechanism was to just beat myself up and try to make myself as small as possible and feeding feed into beauty ideals because I come from a culture where that is what makes your life better 
Thank that answered your question. That <laughs> answers my question. Thank you, first of all, for sharing all of that with us. And as I was listening to things that you said, something that I kept thinking about, which breaks my heart for you and for so many women who have gone through this, is that something that you said is I was living this double life and mm. but then I felt guilty for feeling bad about how I felt like almost like was it really that bad but then having other people validate it and being like no it really was and my grief and my pain and the chaos I felt like I was living in that was real mm. and valid but when our emotions are not validated when we are little mm. and we don't have those words to even describe how we're feeling because there are things that are bigger than our emotions that are happening and we're not being navigated to know how to deal with it and we don't have the right language for it. Our body just knows this doesn't feel right, but I don't know why that can create a sense of not of almost not trusting ourselves throughout our lives yeah. because we weren't given that permission or support during really critical times in our life where our voice was important but it wasn't being heard. Yeah. You know, as we're having this conversation about kind of grieving a life that wasn't lived or or what if there would have been different choices made, what would that have looked like? Do you ever grieve your childhood and your experience like wishing it was something else? Does that still impact you now if so? Yeah, sometimes. I mean, I think especially when I think about certain turning points and generally when it's dark outside is when I'm mm. up and I'm like what if what if you know small moments like what if I did go live with my grandma as a teenager you know where would that trajectory have taken what if my dad you know wasn't homeless or what if I don't know just it's gonna be a lot of tra trauma dumping if I go into it and yeah, I do grieve my childhood. There's a, a little bit of like envy, especially because my husband's family is so like tight and uh, together and they're like the family that I lost in a sense. So um, every everything that happened comes with all the things that could have happened but didn't that we can't change. And it's the same place that I'm finding myself in now that, you know, even I was just telling you before we started recording, like, if I wasn't on social media, for example, like, would I be working that dream job I said in the 10th grade at the United Nations headquarters in Geneva, Switzerland, you know? <laughs> and I think that these what if games that we play with ourselves, they come with with not just like grief and a lot of complex feelings, like you said, like, you know, guilt and questioning yourself and feeling ungrateful and trying to push away that processing but I think they also come with a sense of like feeling lost mm. and I think the word lost is so interesting especially the way that we colloquially use it like oh I'm feeling so lost in life right now the word lost has loss in it yes so what it means is that when I'm feeling lost is because there's a part of me that I feel like I have lost you know, I'm experiencing a loss. So for me, the antidote to feeling lost isn't necessarily, you know, trying to get my shit together and 
figure out life with the new planner that I got at Target (laughs) as much as I as much as we want that to fix all of it as much as I end up there it it actually um counterintuitively is about grieving that life unlived and knowing that yes this didn't happen whether that was in my control or not or I chose this path again maybe it was chosen for you but that also came with the journey that I am on now. So being able to say no and goodbye and maybe see you later at some point in the future, you know, United Nations, yes, <laughs> who knows, that that is what helps me shift into like, I think you could hear it already in like my voice, like it's just like a little bit lighter, like, you know, it's 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 a goodbye, but also like a hello to like, I'm with Ashley Lemieux, you guys. Like, what? (laughs) What is life? (laughs) Something that you said that I want to point out because this is a common thing in the human experience that's happened to me and you just pointed out it happened to you. But a lot of times when we go through big life transitions, for example, you said you got married and then you were you entered into this family that was great Mm -hmm. and stable and happy and was the things that you didn't have, it almost re-entered this grief because then the reality hits you again that this is totally different from what I had and that makes me feel really sad. That happens a lot um, when people get married. It happens a lot when people have children or just any big life moment where it doesn't match up because of the joy you're experiencing to things that you've experienced in the past. And then the gravity of that, you're like, man, I really am sad that this wasn't my past, even though it's going to be my future. I'm grieving. It's that and word. And Mm -hmm. I'm grieving that it wasn't that way Mm -hmm. for me. So I thought it was really self-aware that you said that. Uh, So I just wanted to validate that. I would love for you to talk about things that you have done to move forward, to build a life that you are excited to be participating in despite having a lot of those tools to set you up for this success that you're having right now. And because I know there are a lot of people listening who are like, you know, the details of my story are different than Mary's, but the feeling she's talking about, man, those are so familiar and I feel so validated and I'm still really in a lot of those feelings. So, so what, like, what can I do to help myself move forward? Are there a top few things that you have done to create what you are creating now? Mm. Well, I think, thank you for highlighting like the, the family aspects of it and the, you know, the wedding and you already like insinuating some of the complex feelings that it brought up amidst all of the joy yeah. Um, and that they all coexist together. I think I'll use that the wedding as a jumping off point and a segue here to say that one thing that helped me is not skipping steps. Mm. And what I mean by that is, you know, leading up to my wedding, one of my girlfriends like, what are we going to do for your bachelorette? And I'm like, I didn't even think that that was something that I would ever have for many reasons, you know, never had a tight group of girlfriends growing up because I always felt so left out, feel like all my friends are spread across across the country and like, how am I going to introduce them to each other and bring them together? And like, 
the money aspect, you know, growing up with no money, it just, it feels weird to be like, maybe I could afford a trip to Cabo with my friends. And my sweet friend was like, well, we're going to do something. I'm going to plan something for you. If you don't do it yourself, I hope you don't um, take this as bulldozy. And then she, this was over a dinner. I went home that night and she texted me. And of course she's you know, so self-aware also, um, and very conscious with her friendships. And she's like, sends me this long text. She's like, Hey, I hope you know that like, I, I wasn't trying to like push you into doing something I don't want you to do. But one thing I've learned as somebody who has been married for 10 plus years and, you know, is a little bit older than you is just like my friends who didn't let me skip certain steps, like certain Mm -hmm. rites of passage are also like what in a sense kept like saved parts of me that I didn't want to let go of. And it just like, I have chills talking about it. Same. Look at my arm. I literally am covered in, we are covered in goosebumps. So this is truth being talked about right now. Mm -hmm. It's my sweet friend, Leslie Ann. And she, you know, brought this up to me. And then I tell my mom, I'm like, of course my mom would have to come to my bachelorette because she's my closest person. She's like, yes, we're doing it. And then my sister comes and I'm like, worst case, it's mom and daughter's trip. And then like eight of my friends showed up and it was the most amazing thing in the world. Never expected that to happen. And same thing with the wedding. Like I think so many of us, and this isn't a knock to anybody who can't have have a wedding, can't afford it, doesn't want it. Your family thing is so too complex. Like, oh my God, we've been through mm-hmm. hell and back with the wedding. But one thing I learned is that these like ceremonial rites of passage, acts of gathering in a community is what's going to help you not only celebrate what you're stepping into now, but grieve what you're leaving behind because a wedding isn't just a celebration of a union. It's also an acknowledgement of some micro deaths, like, you know, the death of your singledom, the the death of like me living in a house, even though I've lived with my partner for so long, but I still kind of felt like I lived at my old address with my parents yes. before we got married. I mean, there's a reason why people have been doing certain rituals and rituals, routines, however you want to make those for yourself. Again, you know, weddings, bachelorettes are are big examples to illustrate the point, but there are small ones that you can do also. Maybe your ritual is like taking a walk before you start your work day. That is like a mini, 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 the minuscule version of grieving, like, okay, my sleep time is over now. My morning is gone. My my time feeding my baby is over. My breakfast with my partner, my, you know, transition into my workday has now begun. And so it's this, like, ending and beginning and whatever you can create for yourself to acknowledge that on on the regular is going to like get you through those difficult moments where you're so confused and you don't know what you're feeling. That is so good. (laughs) So profound. I relate to that so much. And on a very smaller, just day-to-day scale, something that I do to even just transition from work to mom mode, because it is such a different type of energy that I bring to work and then a different type of energy that I bring to when I'm with my baby. But something that I do is I walk inside, I wash my hands and I either get a snack or a drink. And it's just this ritual Mm -hmm. of, okay, we are starting to shift here. 
And that is so small compared to what you just shared, but it's this act of acknowledging and then transitioning to the next place. And I love that phrase that you said, don't skip. And in my head, I kept hearing, don't skip the joy also. Mm-hmm. Like you allowing yourself to be celebrated yeah. in that way and to find the joy in the wedding and allowing it to be a happy celebration, yeah. even though there is grief with yeah. it, but you're allowing yourself to celebrate yeah. yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think one thing we can all relate to is birthdays. Like, yes. so many of us are tempted to just gloss over our birthday, not do that much, like maybe a little dinner. I'm not saying you have to throw a party for every single birthday, but it's that one time a year that you get to decide, like, reflect on what the past year was like mm-hmm. and then decide what the next year might be like. It's a way of you you getting your snack is a, an informal way to set an intention. Yes. Whether you know it or not. Um, and when it comes to like bigger life transitions, there's a reason why we want other people there because we want them to like validate it and to witness it. And then also to remind you of it when you forgot. Because my girls from my bachelorette, they're the ones that are going to be in the group chat when I'm a mom being like, what the hell did I get myself into? Yes. This was such a bad idea. And they're the ones that are going to be like, no, you a bad bitch. You can do this because I watched you shake your ass on that button combo. You know, they're the ones that are there to remind you of who you are, all the different facets. Yes, that's so good. I also think with everything we're talking about, going back to when you said so many of us are walking around feeling lost and the word loss is even a part of the word lost but I feel like not skipping the steps and creating these rituals is a way to bring yourself back into the present moment of what is happening so you can reclaim that figure out where you are where you're standing but then you put yourself in a place where you are empowered to then make that next decision I think at least for me and I would love to hear your perspective on this When I feel lost, I feel like I am going through the motions. I feel like I'm just kind of floating through life. I'm on autopilot. I'm just trying to get things done on this routine. So when we can take a breath and pause that to be intentional, like we're talking about, create an intention for your next action, it helps us feel like we have more of a path moving forward instead of feeling so lost when do you or when have you felt that way oh you're turning the tables on me right now huh I'm just just curious because I think you know for me it's like monthly I wake up and I'm like what am I doing with my life and then I'm like oh it was just my period um and then sometimes it's a yearly like I feel like I have this especially being in my mid to late 20s is you know all all sorts of transitions Mm -hmm. and and things that I'm working through. So sometimes it's like that once a year on a birthday. Like I cry every year on my birthday. Every year. Usually I cry. I start a fight with my partner. I ignore my mom's phone calls. I'll go through this whole process and then I'll be like, Mary, get it together. Like these people just want to love you. And so I try, you know, I try my best, but I think there's certain, you know, time. So I'm wondering what that is for you. Yes. No, I love that question. And actually we were kind of just talking about it in the car before we started recording but very much in real time something that I kind of feel a little bit lost in which might sound weird from the outside looking in is that I am so excited about this podcast and 
being able to create longer form content that helps women. And also in my career, my time is not what it used to be because I get to be a mom now. And often, like literally, this is my internal dialogue every day and the dialogue with my husband is I often feel lost in knowing where I fit in with my business and then in motherhood because the transition hasn't been super seamless for me. And I'm the kind of person where I've always been, I go all in on one thing or the other. And with motherhood, I'm all in on motherhood. And so then what does that look like for work? Mm -hmm. I don't know if this is making sense, but in my brain, sometimes it creates this internal conflict Mm -hmm. because as I try to figure out how to show up the best for my baby for the people in my online community who have been with me for so long sometimes a lot of times those decisions aren't the same decisions so I know I'm letting someone down Mm -hmm. and it creates this feeling for me that we're talking about yeah and I think one thing that's important to highlight is that you have a 24-7 job which in some ways is like really nice that it could be flexible and maybe you're working from home and and Annie Ray's next door and that could be some people's dream but in a different side of it is that like you can't clock out and you having your little snack and setting an intention and trying to transition it's all very self-motivated because there's no like external like okay I'm gonna clock out drive home I'm trying my best not to bring my work home and I think not just influencers, but people who work in like emotionally charged jobs. Like I know a lot of nurses feel this, like yes. the bringing it home is so difficult. Sadly for us, the phone is attached at our hip like all the time. So that can also be really hard to disengage from. Yeah, I feel that so hard. Yeah. I wish I had more profound words, but I'm like, no, we're just, I'm about to delete. <laughs> we're, we're about to delete everything I've worked hard for the past decade because I sometimes hate it on there. Well, and I think it goes into this bigger conversation where I'm like, we could have a whole nother podcast about this of burnout and burnout for me. I have hit it and I've made some really big adjustments this year to help myself not feel that way because when you have burnout... Burnout's more than needing a bubble bath or a weekend away. Burnout comes after years of a pattern of spreading yourself too thin and having to take on more than you can physically, emotionally, mentally Mm -hmm. handle. Sometimes we don't even have the choice. Sometimes it's because of our boundaries, whatever that thing is. Um, It's not just work-related, too. Yeah. It could be like a health condition. It could be a family crisis it could be just an ongoing onset of emotions like so many of us have experienced during the pandemic yeah yeah so all of that I think for me has just kind of settled into this boiling moment of I can feel a little bit lost because Mm -hmm. I am burnt out and because there are multiple things that are so important to me trying to figure out where I settle into takes a lot of my brain power okay this conversation has been so fun with you I'm so happy first of all thank you for driving all the way here to do this together Um, but before we wrap up I would love for you to share for anyone who is listening right now and they 
are finding themselves in a season of survival in grieving what is because it's not what they hoped it would be. What would you say to that person right now? Sometimes I wonder if I'm the right person to offer words of encouragement in a in a difficult time um but I think one thing that I've learned through my body image journey and the recent stuff that I'm going through now that I don't yet have concise words for is that self-love will take us so much farther than shame Mm -hmm. and when we're in a period of grief of transition of survival I think it's too easy to shame ourselves into getting over it you know even if it's like a breakup a heartbreak like those are so hard no matter what but so many people say like I only dated him for you know six months why am I this sad that does not that message does not serve anyone Um, That shame of like, I should be over it right now, or why am I feeling this way, or I slept 10 hours, so I shouldn't be tired, and that constant shitting that we do on ourselves is unnecessary, unhelpful. I know it's it's very tempting, and sometimes it is our default thought pattern. Um, What I like to remind myself is that the first like shitty or shitty thought that comes into your mind is generally either like a repeat thought pattern or something you've internalized from society. Like it's not your own. You Mm. don't have to make it your own. And having a follow-up new thought of something that's more supportive, words of encouragement. No, it's okay to process my feelings. Yes, I'm allowed to take my time with this. This is really fucking hard that, you know, self validation that we give ourselves that is full of self-love like that's you that's your your higher uh self talking to you um and that's what should be should be apologize for the words here that is what we get to listen to more so than that first initial like instinctual survival based thought because uh, that's taken us this far but it's also not what's going to help us thrive that only will get us through survival but not into like that full embodiment that like authentic self the joy the lightness that I think we all deserve to feel when we step into that self-love we can't should ourselves into healing it has to be more compassionate and everything that you have shared today I know is going to help so many people Mary truly it has been a gift to be able to chat with you in my car and, and just have your wisdom and and share part of your life with us. Thank you so much for being here with us. Thank you so much, Ashley. It was my honor. And to everyone listening, we are going to link where you can find Mary and her book and her podcast and her socials down in the show notes below so that you can continue on just getting wisdom for her because she's so amazing. And until I see you again next week, take good care of yourself. I'm so honored you joined us for this episode of the Healing Her podcast, where healing isn't just a destination, it's an empowering, transformative adventure. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss brand new episodes each Tuesday. And if you're ready for more tangible tools, make sure you grab my best-selling book, I Am Here, wherever books are sold, or in the link in the show notes below. 
Take good care of yourself until I see you again next week. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.